NAI F-Ball fans, we are here with Coach Oliver for Lindsey Wilson College uh, out of Columbia, Kentucky. Coach Oliver, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. I really appreciate you guys having me on. We appreciate you, Coach. Um, we are here in that spring semester, that second semester, where, you know, if you're going to have a great team, championship months start from January to basically March. Uh, how are you guys going so far? Are the kids back on campus yet? Well, yeah, today is uh, January 15th. Today is our first day of class. Uh, so we, we had our first team meeting last night and, uh, you know, wanted to set the tone for you know how our spring semester was going to go. Uh, our guys have obviously been working in the weight room, but that's been on their own over Christmas break. So, uh, you know, we're excited to get them back on campus and get classes going and get in the weight room together and, and you know, put in all that that work, you know, as a unit and, and as a team, and that is so important, like you said. Uh, so, we're, yeah, we're, we're getting into it, and, and we've got an opportunity here through the next, you know, better part of four months through mid-May where, you know, we get everybody together and can get on the same page and can go through such an important, you know, part of the, of the, the year for us and how we develop, and it goes a long way towards what the season's going to look like in the fall, as you know. Yes, sir. So with that, um, when do the when do your players start the early mornings, or do you do that? Yeah, we go a, a few weeks, uh, well, a couple or a few weeks here as we get towards you know into the first week of February, closer to signing day, and you know we start off uh, you know so we'll get about two weeks of, of our lifting cycle in, and then we, as we get into February, we'll do our early morning uh, conditioning, and you know we get up and. and Put in a little team bonding at 5:59 a.m. and and get in there as a, as, a, as a team and you know we do some things we, we do about a week of of other uh, activities as a team early in the morning before we get into our hot and heavy you know what people call mat drills or you know just our conditioning where we're getting after it there for for an hour or so you know we do some other team building things and, and, and get them moving um, you know trying to just be a little bit different, be a little fresh. Uh, we've done that for a number of years. And then, you know, we'll, we'll do that for a week or so there the first week of February. And then as we get into about week two in February, then, you know, we really start ramping it up and, and getting after it from a, from an early morning conditioning standpoint. Coach, did I hear you right that that was 5.59, not, not 6 o'clock, but 5.59? Yeah, it's just a point of emphasis. You know, you you, you don't want to uh, you know want to be late. And, you know, we're like any program. We don't like guys there to be there early, and you know that's one of those things where we want to be detail oriented. And when we have our early morning conditioning, it, it starts at five fifty nine. I love that. Man. I love that, coach. So let me ask you, what's the punishment if you're late to uh, early morning conditioning? Well, you know, there, there's different things you know if you walk in a minute late and you get uh, the opportunity to still do the entire uh you know conditioning with your team then you know we're going to go through that and then you're going to have a little bit extra work at the end and, you know one of our favorite things that we do in our program or well you know certain people's favorites but uh, something we hate a lot of bit you know we like to roll uh, you know we don't run guys to death uh, you know, we're going to get our conditioning in and we're going to practice, we're going to do our certain things. But, you know, when guys, 
you know, have those mistakes and those learning opportunities, then sometimes they're going to roll back and forth across the field a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's an effective thing. It uh, doesn't tax you, but it doesn't feel good. And uh, that's, that's something that we would typically do. Now, if a young man were to, you know, really oversleep and, and miss that workout too, and so we got to make the workout up, which you can certainly do a little bit extra work on that end and then add in some extra rolling on that. So, um, you know, if you're a minute late, you're late in our program, you know, there's not different variations, but we're also you know, going to make sure that the guy is going to do all the work that his teammate is doing uh, in mid I like that, Coach. And for our listeners that uh, didn't comprehend that, what Coach means by rolling is you are basically laying on your side and basically log rolling across the field of whatever yards. So I'm sure there's a lot of water weight that's going to be lost in Columbia, Kentucky these next couple months. Uh, Coach, how is um, recruiting going? I guess you guys are getting a lot of high school prospects on campus coming by? Yeah, you know, it's certainly a busy time of year, and the cycle is, is nearly year-round. And You know, the cycle is a little bit different at every level, but, you know, we are reaching those culminating weeks for our recruiting cycle. And, you know, we have a number of, of young men who are committed to uh, come in in this class of 2019, but we're still working on that. You know, we've morphed, and, and I think almost all of uh, NAI football and Division Two football, you know, is at a point where, the bulk of the guys who you sign uh, are going to sign, you know, by that first Wednesday in February. It didn't used to be like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not an old guy by any means. I'm 37, so I'm still relatively young for the number of years that I've been fortunate to be a head coach. But uh, I remember back to when I was at Ohio Dominican University in Columbus, and, and I was an assistant coach there, and you know, back in 2005 and six and seven. I mean, we used to have three to five guys sign on signing day. And you think that that is just over, you know, a dozen years ago. And now you fast forward to where division two and NAI football is at with the cycle. And we get the signing day, the first Wednesday of February, and, you know, we're almost completely done at that point. So, you know, the process is, is sped up a great deal in a, in a very short time. And it's important to do a lot of work on the front end, but certainly we are, in the hot and heavy mode right now of, of still getting those last handful of guys to campus for a visit or, you know, maybe getting them back for a second or a third or however many times um, and, and trying to get those guys on board uh, with the program as we go through these next few weeks. Coach, do you think that might be a trickle-down effect from your FBS early signing period and in December maybe uh, changing some guys' uh, timelines up a little bit? Yeah, I think the changes to the last years for the early signing day have trickled down a little bit um, you know and I, I still think and I can't speak for a lot of people but we've been you know feeling it out okay how much is this really going to impact us and you know it, it is certainly a little bit but I think the bigger trend over the past decade has probably been social media and the awareness of young men at all levels no matter if you are signing you know, at a Power 5 school or, or signing within the NAI or the Division 2 or, you know, even taking a roster spot signing in a Division 3 school, you know, the awareness of the process and how that works and seeing other uh, guys, usually at higher levels, uh, make decisions publicly, I think has, has created that situation where everything has sped up 
for uh, young men. People want to be a part, typically, of that signing day process. You know, people don't want to have that that first Wednesday in February go past. I still think there's a lot of young men who are patient as they get through December. Uh, that hasn't completely trickled down to us yet. There's a few, but not too many. Uh, but I think the bigger change has been over the past decade of just social media and awareness of the process at all levels. Coach, I want to reflect back on your 2018 season. I know it's not where you guys wanted to end up, especially with how senior heavy you guys were on defense. But uh, reflecting back on that 2018 team, what could you say is your probably best moment with that team? I know I I probably have mine picked out what yours would be, but I want to see if we align a little bit. I'm not there all the time or at all. I'm hoping to be, but I want to see what your best moment was from the 2018 season. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the best moment uh, for our season was when we had the opportunity to host a young man for uh, Coach DeCure weekend. And, and we had a, a young man named Tristan with, uh, Duchesne muscular dystrophy and he led our team out and he uh, he had our coin toss there for us and I tell you what that was an awesome moment and we had a big win that day you know but that was probably the, the best moment of the season and I'm not trying to make light of what our young men do and how hard they work and some of the great wins we had but if you say hey what was the best moment of the season uh, for me personally that that's the first thing that comes to mind now uh, you know, we had a great win over uh, a rival in, in Campbellsville. Uh, you know, that's a, kind of a rivalry that we're 18 miles apart. And, you know, we have a traveling trophy, and that was a great win. And we had a big overtime win against Georgetown at Georgetown. And, you know, we have a lot of respect for their program. And they've, you know, been so good for so long. And, you know, we had a big win in overtime. So I think if you asked our guys, hey, what was the highlight of the season, they'd probably point to the, to the Georgetown overtime uh, win. But, you know, there were a few highlights for us, and, and we're fortunate. Um, you know, we've, we've built this thing, and our guys have worked so hard. Our kids have worked so hard over the past nine years to to build this thing where the expectations are. Hey, you know, seven and three doesn't feel like, you know, quite as, as, as great as what we've come to expect. And I tell you, I'm blessed to be a part of a program with that type of expectation uh, in a short time, and, and the testament goes to our kids. But I think if you ask me what what's the highlight, the kids would probably tell you the uh, overtime win against Georgetown. Coach, uh, you definitely sound like a guy that's been there for ten years with that first answer you gave us, and that is absolutely awesome. Um, I was actually watching back little clips from that uh, Highway Fifty Five game with Campbellsville, and uh, like you said, the two two games you mentioned, you guys are smack dab in the middle of Georgetown and Campbellsville, and it's not a far drive from. Uh, either school um, coach what um, I would like to ask about the Mid-South Conference as a whole um, yeah. do, you, do you wish you guys could get down and play a Sun Division team or an Appalachian team more often and if so who would that be yeah I mean I, I think our setup is pretty good you know we, we get a situation where we play two games against each of the other divisions uh, pretty much every year. Now there's going to be some, some situations in future years because we, you know, we add a team here and there, and you know, college football is expanding; it's not retracting. Um, so you know, there may be some games or, or some years, excuse me, where we get three crossover games rather than four total. 
Uh, but, you know, right now it's been a situation where we play one home and one away game against the Sun Division and then one home and one away against the, the Appalachian Division. And then each of those divisions play, you know, uh, one, and, one and one against the Bluegrass team as well. So it's really been a good setup for us. And, you know, going to Florida uh, and giving our guys the opportunity to do that is nice. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think uh, none of us probably want to do it any more than we do because, you know, the life of college football players when you're on a bus often, and, you know, you get to fly every now and then, but for most of us, it's it's a busing situation and, you know, you're trying to get back to campus and, and you know, get ready for that next opponent. I think it's nice to do it once here and there, uh, but you probably don't want to do it any more than, than what we do right now. So I think our setup uh, within the Mid-South, considering the challenges that we have from a, uh, from a space standpoint, just covering you know, the geography of our region, I, I think we've done really well with how we've structured our, our schedules. And, you know, probably wouldn't want to make a whole lot of tweaks uh, with that because we have a nice schedule within our division as well. Correct, Coach. I, I absolutely love the way that is handled. Um, now let's get back to, uh, I guess, the X's and O's, more just talking ball. Uh, while I was watching some clips, it looked like you guys had a youth movement on the offensive line this year. A lot of freshmen and sophomores playing. Uh, uh, what would you reflect on your offensive line from this past year and where they can go from there? Yeah, you know, our, our offensive line uh, went through a lot of adversity from the standpoint of, of injuries. And, um, you know, we just went through a, so that youth movement, you laugh, I kind of chuckled. I don't know if you can hear me there, but, uh, you know, a lot of that was due to injury. Uh, you know, and, and injuries are part of this game. And, you know, it, it can't be a crutch for you, but, you know, our, our injuries got uh, a lot of us this year. And at one point during one of our games late in the season, it was somewhere around game eight or so, I think we had four of our original starters on the offensive line were out. Um, and, you know, we, we had a lot of young guys that did a great job of stepping up and, you know, going in there and, and playing well and allowing us to still be competitive and get some good wins down the stretch. Uh, but, you know, those guys got thrown into the fire, and, and you know, that's tough to be a, an 18- or 19-year-old uh, on the offensive line and going against 21-, 22-year-olds on the defensive line there, and vice versa. You know, when you're in the trenches and at the line, it's different at receiver and DB, uh, you know, and, and then it is at O-line, D-line. You know, it's where you can get exposed a little bit more physically. So that youth movement you talked about was sort of out of necessity for us due to some injuries. You know, we, we went down and, you know, played against Presbyterian on, on short notice and, and had a, a really competitive game where our defense played lights out. Uh, and we lost, uh, you know, an all-conference center with a minute to go in the game. Uh, to a season-ending injury, and you know, just that kind of started us off on some some things where we lost some guys. And I give I give our young guys credit, man. They just kept fighting and they came back and they you know, played really well. Yeah, coach. Um, definitely, offensive line is is you know definitely not where you want any injuries because those guys play as <laughs> as a single yeah, unit that's so much. I mean, and it wasn't just the offensive line where you had that youth movement. I, uh, you know, you had a sophomore quarterback last year. Uh, you've got a, a running back who put up some good numbers last year, uh, Jalen Boyd returning. Then you have Cam Weish out there on the uh, running at receiver that you get back. Um, 
talk um, about a little bit about the dividends that you're expecting to see out of um, out of the adversity last year with the offensive line and and the uh, youth in at skill positions. Yeah, well, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you get those guys they get thrown into it and, and play early, uh, but that pays off, uh, you know, as you get more experience under your belt. So certainly look at our offensive line, and, and we did uh, have a few seniors who, who moved on, and a couple of those guys were some of the guys that got injured. But, uh, you know, we've got a little bit more experience under our belt going into spring football this year than we would have had that not happened. So you get a little bit more of a fast forward and, you know, on that process of how those guys developed and you know we, we lost a really good senior running back at Blake Ingleton but um, we do have a, a, a handful of younger running backs who are coming back you know all the other guys on the depth chart and some guys who were, who were red shirting to develop uh, are, are going to be really strong in that group our tight ends last year were young as well and then our receiving core you know we've got uh, a projected starter in the slot is going to be a senior, but most of our other guys uh, who got playing time were all really young guys, and we've got a talented group there. So it's exciting uh, to go through. You have those ebbs and flows, and you have a year like last year where our defense uh, was was very experienced in a number of positions, and offense was less so, and now you, you know, kind of flip-flop it a bit for us going this year. So it's exciting to have those ebbs and flows as you coach and you know, want to develop guys and see that. And, you know, we'd all love to have all juniors and seniors out there every year uh, and, and with you know a year or two of experience under their belt, but that's just not how it works. And it's fun to be able to coach the young guys and you know just get those guys going and see how they develop too. So you know, we're excited about you know some of that experience coming back on offense and what those guys are going to be able to do. And, and you know I think that our defense is going to be right there with them with some of those uh, same opportunities to see some younger guys grow and fill in uh, around some of the guys who graduated. So it's fun to watch it progress. How do you get those young guys up to speed on defense? You lose your top five tacklers. Um, and I believe, yeah. if I remember, you lose at least one man at every level of your defense. Um, yeah. how, how do you get those yeah. the new guys up to speed? Well, you know, you want to coach them as a unit throughout the course of the program. So, you know, you those young guys that are going to be stepping up, some of them have experience under their belt. Some of them, you know, have been redshirting and not quite played yet. But those are going to be the guys who are going to be competing and being out there. But those guys understand the expectation for the position. They understand how those guys above them, the Trent Mueller's and Joe Lewis's and Michael DeLeon's and, you know, all, all those guys that were playing for us and, you know, Holt Keeling is an all-conference safety force. I mean, those guys know how those guys play and practice and prepare and, you know, the expectation for that. So, you know, like I said, you know, in our program, you know, we have an expectation for the position. So it doesn't matter who is at, uh, you know, our outside linebacker to the field. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the one, if it's the two, if it's a guy that's played for three years or if it's a guy that's playing for the first time. We have an expectation for how that guy is going to play and execute and, and what that looks like within the structure of our defense. And we're going to coach those guys hard to you know meet that expectation. Uh, we're not going to lower that. We understand that guys are human, guys are going to make mistakes, and there's a process. 
process there, and that's fine, and that's that's fun to be honest with you to, to watch that happen. Um, but you know, we're still going to keep up the expectation for the position and the expectation for how our defense operates. You know, so that's the way we run our program. And you know, I, I you know, the old next man up adage is kind of cliche in football these days. Uh, but that's how it has to go. And uh, whether it's due to injury, you know, like we talked about on the offensive line a year ago, or whether it's due to losing a you know two-time All-American linebacker and, and Trent Mueller, it's going to be, hey, the next guy's up, and we're going to coach you, and we're, we're going to go. Because, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, that you know, Trent Mueller, uh, who was a two-time All-American, was replacing another guy who was a really good football player and, and who had a couple of years under his belt, and all of a sudden it was Trent's turn. Um, you know, and I could go on and on about those examples within our program and in every program in the country. And I think that's one of the awesome parts of, of coaching is seeing those young guys develop. Coach, we only have a couple more questions, and we're going to wrap this up. Um, you know, I've been – you're probably the most familiar coach in the whole NAI for me as I've been following you probably since uh, – I would say even 2010 when I was in a Faulkner University film room – watching common opponents that you guys played against, and we would uh, scout out that film. You call your own offensive plays, right? Yeah, I, I have done that. See, I, that's really intriguing to me. Um, one thing that I noticed watching some clips, um, how often have you been running the quarterback buck sweep with pulling <laughs> both guards? I, I, that's a wrinkle I haven't noticed. Yeah, that's uh... – you know, that's just here and there. Uh, we did that a little bit last year. You know, we, we put in buck sweep. Um, you know, we've run different versions of pin and pull over the years, and it's one of those things. You get your self-scout, you look at stuff, and some, some things are good from year to year and some things aren't. And so variations of pin and pull or buck sweep have been in and out of our offense over the years. And uh, we put it back in in, in 2017 and, and had – some really good success with it and then you know you have to have those wrinkles you have to have those things here and there so when you're you know playing those defenses uh like Faulkner uh back in the day and not, not to take anything away from Faulkner now we haven't played them uh you know last year but man when you were playing at Faulkner uh those defenses we were going against goodness gracious I mean everybody on that defense uh looked like an NFL prospect and, and played like it too on most days uh, so you got to have those wrinkles to keep you off balance and doing those things. So, yeah, I think we ran the QB buck sweep a couple times this year and, and uh, had, had a couple uh, successful plays on it. We're fortunate. That's awesome, Coach. Now, let me – one last X and O question for me. Do you envision yourself ever getting away from that 3-3 stack or 3-4 defense, that base front? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's one of those things I really believe in it um, from a standpoint of, of recruiting. Uh, I think it's it's hard to find uh, quality defensive linemen, especially in the recruiting pool. Uh, and then I think you add in how the NAI accountable aid works and those things, and you get in there and you talk about the ability to play extra guys in the linebacker position or the DB position who can also play, give you a little bit more on special teams. So I think there's some things there. I mean, I, we believe in the scheme. We, we, we've always been a three-man front team, and we like what we do out of it. Um, but there's also some things there pertinent to recruiting and, you know, NAI rules that may come into play with some of that 
philosophy for us as well. Um, so I don't want to say we'd never do it. I mean, because we play against some other teams who are, you know, four two. You know, the four three is kind of going by the wayside uh, for the most part. There's still a few out there, but you know, we play some, a lot of four two teams and, and you know nickel front teams, and you know they they're doing some really good stuff. And you know, some of the best defenses we play are, are teams structured like that. So there's certainly a lot of great schemes and, and things out there that are different from what we do. Uh, but we've been fortunate to, to be successful with our scheme and what we're doing. And, you know, I, I, at this point, probably don't have any intentions to get away from it, but you just never know. Coach, last question before we let you go. What one big thing excites you most about the 2019 season? Well, you know, it's year 10 for us in our program. Uh, you know, we kicked off in, in 2010 and, you know, here we are into the 10th season of, of LWC Blue Raider football. Um, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm excited about where our program is heading. You know, our, our young men in our program have, have achieved so much over the past nine seasons, and we're proud of that, proud of what they've helped us build. But I think we're still, you know, we're still hungry. You know, I know I am as a head coach. Um, you know, we're, we're excited about where we're going. We're excited about the culture that we're, we're building and continuing to strengthen. So I know that's a super generic answer, but, you know, that's that's where I'm at. I mean, you know, in January, we're focused on this team right here. Uh, I think we have a motivated group of young men who understand the expectations for what we're going to do, and we just have to continue to go out and get better and keep working on our process. And I know that's a lot of coach talk, but, man, I'm just excited to get going with this team, you know, in year 10. And, and, you know, welcome back our our alumni who have helped us build the program and do some special things, you know, to honor the 10th year of Blue Raider football. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time for us today to come and talk. And uh, we hope to see you soon, and I hope we both can go up to Columbia, Kentucky. And uh, like I said, we just appreciate it, and uh, good luck next season, Coach. Yeah, we'd love to have you sometime, and I appreciate the work you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to help our guys and our young man at this level, uh, you know, at LWC and beyond, you know, the NAI is a great, great uh, level of football, the competition here is outstanding and I think uh, so many people who don't see us day to day uh, don't understand that so I appreciate the guy the work that you guys are doing to help get the word out and to spread the, the you know, great nature of NAI football across the country and you guys keep it up yes sir we appreciate it coach NAI football fans that was a pre-recorded interview with Lindsey Wilson head coach Oliver we are pumped after listening to that interview and partaking in it. Corey, can you give me any opinion you have from that interview? Man, I just loved uh, talking recruiting and getting kind of an inside glimpse of uh, of his take on it. Uh, you, you know, he's, he's seen it all, and especially with the early signing period and, and what that does, um, it was really interesting to see that peek behind the curtain. This man is going on a decade of Lindsey Wilson football, and that has to be very special for Columbia, Kentucky. We know we always talk about the golden standard there at Benedictine with Coach Wilcox being there for 40 years. A decade in NAI is nothing to shy away from, and that is awesome 
and he comes from a great pedigree with his experience. So we are rooting for those guys to do well. He is one of the good guys in the NAI, and he actually does a lot behind the scenes you guys don't even know of. Corey, I would say my favorite part was probably just talking ball and talking about that 3-4, 3-3 defense that he loves to get in that he doesn't really get out. And the reason is because we just talked about recruiting, talking about how it's hard to find those big hogs down in the trenches for defensive linemen. And I really enjoyed that. But I also enjoyed the discipline that he puts in his program. He talked about being there at what time? 5.59? It was 5.59. 5.59. Not 6 o'clock, people. 5.59 in the morning. If you're not there, you have some kind of punishment. So that is absolutely awesome. Now, John, I, I want to ask you. I was I was thinking about it during the interview, and, and I didn't get a chance to ask you. You are a... A uh, offensive lineman by trade. That's what you. That's what you coach. You are offensive line minded. Just give me, give me a number. How many miles have you rolled? Okay, so that's a tough question. So we have myself being played pee wee football at a very early age. I would say eight years old. Going all the way to college. And folks, if you don't know, we're out of the state of Florida and football's taken very serious here. Even in Pee Wee, there are punishments for football if you're doing something wrong. So to take that all in account, Corey, I would say that mileage wise, I would have to say I've been at least a 5K. And not Only to say that I've been in trouble. Only three miles. I, I wasn't that big of a troublemaker. And, folks, I will tell you, those log rolls we talked about earlier in the interview is no joke. Back in 2012, in offseason, I remember I was late for a workout. Or, actually, I was not late for a workout. I missed a class. So, that Saturday, we had makeups for those that missed class or late for workouts. And I remember they log rolled us so much, I think I lost 20 pounds of water weight. If they did that to me today, I don't think I'm coming off that field in Montgomery, Alabama. But that was absolutely awesome. Corey, is there anything else you'd like to wrap for us to wrap up this interview? Uh, yeah, actually, a, a couple of things. We, we have heard from the people. Um, we are going to be expanding where we are. We are officially, as of today, uh, we're recording this part on January 22nd at... About a quarter to six Eastern time. We are right now on Spotify, and we should, within the next week or so, I'm hoping, be on uh, Google Play and Google Podcasts, um, as well as iTunes. Um, we will be anywhere that you will listen to us. So if there's a place that we are not that you want us to have our podcast on, let us know. Uh, DM us, uh, tweet at us, whatever. Um, but one other thing that I wanted to bring up is a couple of the um, Twitter Twitter interviews that, that, that are coming up. John, talk about those a little bit. All right, guys. So we have a beautiful thing going on where we try to at least get one or two athletes a week where we give them a spotlight to tell them a little bit about themselves their program and what's going on. We got we are trying to take you guys deep into the process. We have Arnage Ponder, 
the starting running back at Morningside. His interview currently is right now on NAIFball.com. You guys need to check that out. He was very elaborative with his interviews or during the interview process with his answers. You guys definitely need to check that out. We also have Brandon Dillon coming up. By the time we release this podcast, I imagine this article will be out with his interview. If you didn't know, Brandon is a wide receiver from Marion University. He was in the NFL PA Bowl, the All-Star Game, you know, where the big boys come to play. Brandon has a great chance of getting a professional contract soon. And he held his own this weekend, this past weekend, and we are excited to share that interview process. Guys, you need to stay with us. It's fixing to get very exciting around this time. Corey, and this is only the offseason. Holy cow, this is in January. We talk about January, February, March being championship season for football programs. Holy cow, we are setting it hot right now. Blazing hot on the media circuit for you guys. Just wait until the 2019 season gets here. Corey, anything else before we sign off? Man, I can't wait, guys, so stay tuned. Uh, download, subscribe now. I have to say that now, don't I? Give you us do. five stars on right. iTunes. Five stars, we get baby. There, man. We want to be. We want to be the best. We 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 want iTunes to go. Who are these people? And what is this league? So uh, help us make an impact to uh, to to get NAI football out there uh, to the general public so they can see what these kids are doing. That's right, guys. It is a gem of a league. We are here to support you. Let's support ourselves. We are excited for what's all happening, and we're going to take it by storm. And AI is nothing to play with. We have guys that made the NFL. We have a coach at Bethel that we hope to interview. We know you heard the Brenton Deerman podcast. We hope to get with Mike Jasper, Big Jasper from Bethel. He played with the Buffalo Bills. We had Snacks from the Detroit Lions get named MVP from M Live. He played for William Penn. We have a lot going on, guys. For John Cooper, Corey Thorpe, signing out.